Hey everyone, welcome to Locked on Lakers for Wednesday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. Do the Lakers need to make a change in their starting lineup until LeBron returns? That's next. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks to everybody for making Locked on Lakers first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, no matter how or where you get your podcast. It's always going to be free. It's never going to be behind a paywall. Make another Locked on podcast your second listen of every day, but only after making us your first. And a reminder, Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you can go to participate uh, in a gigantic and, and, and engage with a gigantic 14,000 person community of uh, Lakers fans, NBA fans who are regular commenters um, there. And, and it's just a, it's a, a cool place to be, good place to vent, good place to celebrate. Uh, appreciate the support there. Uh, we're going to get to these questions about the lineup and whether specifically Malik Beasley might be somebody who needs to leave the starting lineup in favor of something else while uh, Beasley struggles through a major slump as a shooter. Um, we'll get to that. We'll get to uh, an important free agency question that we teased for today's show. But let's start with some housekeeping, Andy. Turns out we don't know if Anthony Davis is going to play both sides of that back-to-back at the beginning of April uh, against the Jazz and the Clippers. Chris Haynes reported um, yesterday, this yesterday being Tuesday in this particular case, um, that AD was going to play. Darvin Ham said Wednesday practice not so fast. Yeah, I mean, he said ultimately that there nothing nothing was being confirmed one way or the other beyond the fact that they were going to be sticking with the plan and like the regiment that they had that led to him not playing in that game against Houston that led to all that controversy and stuff like that. And I I think the one thing that we can take sort of that we know that makes all of this an exercise in either taking grains of salt or parsing nuance semantics whatever we don't know the plan like we don't actually know what the plan is the plan can have a contingency where ad does play in the second end of that back-to-back which will be against the clippers the plan could be him not playing in that game against the clippers the plan could involve scenarios where both are live and the one thing i can promise for sure is nobody's going to be telling us Jack Bleep when it comes to exacts. That's yeah. the thing I know. It's um, I, I think you know, given where those games are, they'd probably like to keep their options open as much as possible. Like, it, you know, even if he's only going to play one, do you want to let people know which one yet? I mean, there. I, I while I think the um, the the gamesmanship and the competitive advantage thing that sometimes people talk, well, you don't want to reveal. It's like. You know, there there are certain things that that coaches uh, across every sport keep secret or fans think, you know, ought to be kept secret that really don't provide much competitive. Which game Anthony Davis is going to play in, you know, against teams that are critical to the that's something you don't need to tell people three weeks in advance, especially if you're not entirely sure um, how hard and fast the plan is. Like you say, it could have contingencies. Um, but it was just interesting to hear Darvin. You know, it's not like Chris Haynes. Chris Haynes is not exactly out there making stuff up, you know? No, Chris, Chris is both very 
He's very responsible and he's very sourced. And, and very good. He's very good yeah. at what he does. Yeah. So um, he didn't just invent that. Um, but, you know, to hear Darwin kind of walk that back, because I'm sure that's what prompted the, uh, the questioning to begin with. Um, was well, I mean, Darwin wasn't to be clear, Darwin wasn't really walking anything back as much as just just so people understand Chris's original report. Oh, right, right. Not, it, was not a, it wasn't a quote from Darwin, it was right, a source exactly. From, and right. it's it's important, I, I think, to clarify this, Brian, because Darwin has had to walk back other statements regarding right. Anthony Davis and his availability and back-to-backs and stuff. Right. I just want to make sure people understand. Yeah, he wasn't Darwin. Darwin didn't that's step right. in it that's again. Right. Yeah, Darwin wasn't walking his own statement back. He was walking back the report that Haynes mm-hmm. put out. So, right. um, so there's that. The good news, Andy, Anthony Davis is uh, technically speaking on the injury report as he is for every game uh, tonight against the Phoenix Suns. Um, but he will play. He is probable. Um, the Suns, though, will be without Kevin Durant. We knew that. But also DeAndre Ayton, who you were convinced, Andy, was going to play in this game because that's how it works, where yeah. uh, star players, uh, frontline players on other teams are uh, m- miraculously healed just in time to play the Lakers. But both Ayton and Durant didn't make the trip, which turns this already must-win game into a game that they can actually, you know, gives them a better chance to win. You know, you're now in the Jock Landale, Bismack Biombo business, which is a different business than the DeAndre Ayton business. Well, I mean, this opportunity in front of them, which, you know, the Lakers, the Lakers, we've been saying for a while, have to treat every single game as must win. But we are truly in a place now where every single win and loss has really dramatic ramifications and tying a bow on the whole thing where we began this conversation with AD and the availability with back-to-backs. One thing that would declutter this greatly would be that game against the Clippers, April 5th, I believe it is, a Wednesday, them not facing elimination (laughs) for the play-in. You know what I mean? Like, No, you're right. If they they had a firm place, if they were firmly in that top – you know, ten if they had seven wrapped up or something like right. that makes a big difference. Right, they they still would be looking to win unless moving up is also just mathematically impossible. And I got to be honest, the odds of them not being able to move in either direction on April fifth feels like a long shot to me. But you never yeah. know. You never know. But that would decomplicate a lot of these issues. Just don't put yourself in a position where. You have to win out the final three games of the season in order to guarantee yourself the ten seed. Yeah, it's um, it's a, that's an excellent point. Um, but you know, it's, this is also relevant because you know, not that DeAndre Ayton is exactly a he's not seen as you know Elijah Wan defensively or or something like that. But you know, it, he is a much bigger challenge um, as a total package than Jock Landale, than Bismack Biombo. Um, it removes a big part of Phoenix's attack and it becomes a game now where that focus on Anthony Davis um, and his ability to put an imprint on a game against a Phoenix Suns team that is, you know, it's still, they still got Devin Booker. They've still got Chris Paul. Um, you know, what is it? Uh, you know, with, uh, Josh Akogi has played well for them or whatever, but post KD trade, 
they're a much thinner team than they than they were before. And so now you take their second or probably their I mean, second best player in terms of night to night impact. Chris Paul is not. I would say I was about to say he's still Chris Paul, but he's not only really in the literal sense. <laughs> like his night to night impact on games is not what Chris Paul used to be. I mean, DeAndre Ayton, uh, when Kevin Durant isn't in the lineup, is really their second best player. <sighs> you know, if they beat in Houston, if they beat Dallas, they'd have a little more wiggle room in this one, but they don't anymore. So, I mean, stop me if you've heard this record before. Yeah, and the, the last thing I would say with AD on availability and that stuff. What I will what I will find more of of a thing to be alarmed about until we uh, I guess eventually find out absolute clarity on this last back to back. Worry about how he's listed after he's had a full day in between games because he he had said that this is something that really requires a day for the injury and you know the the healing that's still going on to flare down. If they've got like a full game, two games or whatever, and AD's listed as questionable, that's when you really mm. ought to be concerned about what the hell's going on. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, so uh, Malik Beasley, Andy, has been in just a terrible slump, essentially since arriving in Los Angeles with a couple games where it appears that he's popping out of it, but no. Um, so with that in mind, do the, leakers, do the leakers, do the Lakers need to make a change in the starting lineup? That's next. Locked on Lakers is brought to you by Ultimate Pro GM, and we are stoked by our new partner and sponsor of today's episode, the mobile game Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. If you've ever dreamed of becoming an NBA GM and managing your own franchise, your dream can come true with Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. Manage every strategic aspect of your team during the season you're responsible for, hiring the right coaches and assistants, trading, training players, making draft picks, navigating your franchise through free agency and the draft and all the ups and downs of an NBA season. Ultimate Pro Basketball GM, it's completely free, playable offline. You can play on the go as you want, whenever you want. And I have created a GM for my team, the Los Angeles Knights. His name is Chaz Bartender. Locked on Lakers listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check it out. To download the game, just visit probasketballgm.com, scan the code or look it up on the app stores. Again, probasketballgm.com. And again, Locked On Lakers listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using that promo code Locked On. Start your dynasty today. Okay, uh, Andy, we'll get to this uh, this question of free agency and uh, sort of related to Austin Reeves and a lot of stuff that we talked about um, for Tuesday's show before the end of it. But um, we've been we've been kind of kicking around this Malik Beasley problem uh, the Lakers have for the last um, really you know last week or so at least. Um, if you haven't looked at the numbers, they're not good. He's shooting thirty eight percent as a Laker. Um, 34% uh, from the three-point line, but it's a deceptive 34% because it actually feels worse because it includes two or three games where he completely goes off. Um, if you look at it game to game, more often than not, far more often than not, Malik Beasley has been you know under 33% um, as a three-point shooter with the Lakers. Um that is why he is here. He is in LA to take and make three pointers 
at a pretty high volume because he does not offer a whole lot m- more uh, beyond that. You know, an assist a game does come up with a steal, um, but you know, not a particularly well regarded defender. What's the play here? Uh, the Lakers are certainly in a bit of a bind uh, because Beasley's inability to hit three pointers um, is is a drag on you know on that starting lineup. Yeah, during the Orlando game, and, and Beasley is a topic that I've both tweeted about at Cam Brothers or we've discussed on this show leading up to today. But during the Orlando game, where I believe he was one for seven on the night, I tweeted out Malik Beasley is just a few one for more seven overall, away. one for five from three point range. Yeah, uh, Malik Beasley is just a few more misses away from Darvin Ham having to at least consider giving some of those minutes to Lonnie Walker, and I, and I named Lonnie just because. He's really the guy who is next on the depth chart. He's the only guy that's really gotten any type of minutes who is not a regular member of the rotation right now. Mm-hmm. And that ha- that in and of itself sparked a lot of reaction on Twitter, which was awesome. Again, Cam Brothers, always feel free to hit us up. But it also got me just thinking about the basic options, which would be either, the way I see it, more minutes for Lonnie, like just some of those minutes that had been Beasley's, you give some of them to Lonnie. You could give some minutes to Max Christie, which saw a lot of people calling for on Twitter. More minutes for Rui Hachimura, which is you know a different position, but looking for some of the same things scoring. And Rui's actually been playing much better than Beasley as far as the guys who are not necessarily the most multidimensional players on the roster. You could also flip the lineup so Malik Beasley's playing off the bench. Most of the suggestions I've seen there uh, involve Austin Reeves entering the starting lineup, but also a, a pretty big contingency calling for uh, Rui to, to move into that lineup and essentially make Troy Brown Jr. a two-guard. And that was actually something I talked about. We can get into this. I talked about offline with Darius Soriano uh, over at uh, Silver Screen and Roll and the Lakers Film Room podcast, front of the show. And also seeing a lot of reaction too, Brian, that Beasley's not the problem. It's the quality of schemes and shots. They need different actions, better setup. And some of this is a function of not having LeBron, which I agree is an issue. It's just not something they can solve. Right. So, I mean, all, all of this stuff changes dramatically when LeBron's in the lineup. Um, and it, it, it all kind of gets to... Beasley's an interesting case because you know you know Vanderbilt, for example, Darius, who you mentioned, had a, has a great piece out uh, on Forum Blue and, uh, on uh, Silver, Silver Screen and Roll about you know uh, different numbers uh, that the Lakers have been producing lately. One of which is uh, Vanderbilt's plus minus um, game to game, which I actually pointed out earlier in this week uh, is terrible. Like the last, the last like ten days or something like that, you know, whatever it is, he has been a net negative by a lot mm-hmm. um, uh, when he spent time on the floor. And fans love him because he is, you know, he works so hard and he provides so much energy. And it's it's just it's been a kind of a a nice welcome change in the vibe that the Lakers have. But the actual on court impact has not been very good, and there are issues around that in terms of where he plays and who's next to him and all this kind of stuff. And that's what happens to role players. Um, You take the same guy, you move him one spot on the floor and take away one player or something like that. The combination's different and the performance of that role player can change significantly. Beasley, 
I don't know how if that if that applies in quite the same way because you know he's still shooting, he's still, you know, but the the shot quality question is certainly one that's worth asking. Like he doesn't need a lot of space to get a shot off, but you know, what what angles is he coming off of? How easy is it to clear? Is he getting 80% of what he needs or is he getting 50% of what he needs? All that stuff is relevant. I my my big problem is I don't know I don't know what you do to solve it if what you're trying to do is open up the floor a little bit. I think you know the minute you move Beasley out of the starting lineup, you're essentially punting, I think, at least temporarily, on the idea of trying to help boost the Lakers offense by by boosting their three-point productivity. Well, it, because okay. you can't do it at the same you can't do it in the same way with Hachimura. You might, you know, I mean, you put Troy no. Brown in there, he's not afraid to take some, but I, I, it, it is I, harder. And the Lakers offense has been pretty bad since the trade deadline in part because they're still not you know, really they're they're constantly losing the three-point battle. Now, if you're taking a lot of three-pointers and you're still losing the three-point battle, why are you throwing good money after bad? That's that's that, the you know the counter to that, which also makes tremendous sense. Well, that that's actually because I've been you know I've been thinking about this a lot, and you, I mean you and I actually have talked about it a fair amount offline as well. And and the conversation that I was having with Darius that came in part from reading his piece, which again people should check out over at Silver Screen and Roll, the idea of Vanderbilt's role. And how he's been affected without LeBron, in addition to how Beasley, I'm sure, has been affected without LeBron. Like, I, I looked up Beasley's percentages from behind the arc, depending on who is passing to him. And, mm. for example, it's a small sample size because he hasn't played much with LeBron, but he's shooting 60% off three on threes from passes with LeBron. In the meantime, the most amount of passes that he's had, very logically, as a Laker have come from either D'Angelo Russell or Dennis Schroeder. Makes a lot of sense. He is shooting in the high 20s from both of those guys. I you know, I can't pretend that I know the context of every single pass setting up every single one of those threes. Just it's not hard to figure out. LeBron is one of the best passers in NBA history. Well, it's also he collapses defenses differently. He collapses he does, exactly. Right. It's, it's not just where it's not literally just who's throwing the ball in the sense of like is LeBron hitting Malik Beasley like when he's wide open and D'Angelo Schroeder aren't, I mean, it, it should be noted, LeBron is a more accurate passer than right. Dennis Schroeder. Like all that's yes. saying, you know, where you hit a guy in his hands as he's coming off a screen, all that matters. Right. Um, he's also, you know, as good as anybody there ever is in terms of tracking guys as they're moving so you can mm -hmm. still hit them right in the sweet spot while they're in motion, all that stuff. But Darius' piece in particular, when he was talking about how Jared Vanderbilt has been affected by the inability to play as more of a wing defender mm -hmm. without LeBron there. Because, I mean, offensively, Jared, you know, Jared Vanderbilt's a garbage man. I mean, his position is irrelevant. You don't, he, he finds his offense. That's really what happens. You don't run anything for the guy. It got me really thinking about going with Rui in the starting lineup. Because if you put Rui in there, you're not going to suffer offensively. I mean, he... You may not have the exact same gravitational threat as Beasley in terms of volume from outside, but you're still getting a scoring threat. He's still a scorer. You're going to keep you know, the spacing that you have with Troy Brown and D'Angelo Russell. And then in the meantime, 
Defensively, Rui can be your four, allowing Jared Vanderbilt to be more of that wing defender when he was more effective. And the other reason I was thinking about this is I, I think defensively, on balance, this could be better because Beasley, if he's not hitting shots, you're just suffering defensively for having him out there. A backcourt of defensively of D'Lo and Troy Brown is better than D'Lo and Beasley. Like, it just is. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm worried. I, I am honestly worried less about the defense right now because the defense has been so good. Um, it's how, you know, I, I mean, I think the one thing, and somebody else can look this up, um, what yeah, is how, how can the Lakers generate more offense from their defense? Because as, as stingy as they've been in allowing points, they have not turned teams over a lot. They're not getting out on the break a lot. They're not. These are things that impact Anthony Davis. These are probably things that impact you know uh, three point shooters. You know guys like Beasley who get out on the break and hit out on a wing and and sure. and, and you can hit you know with that when you get that wide open you know really good in rhythm catch and shoot. And then the other thing, I mean, I, well, really I, really quick on that, really quick on that you might have more of an ability to do that if Jared Vanderbilt's able to play more defense from the wing and have a little more ability sure. to sure. be along the perimeter, be where the ball might start out. Yeah, I'm not – I'm not – if if they came out on Wednesday and said we're changing the starting lineup, I don't I, – this is – these are not things that I – what I find fascinating about these kinds of questions is the ripple effect. Like, mm -hmm. so, you know, like a lot of people have been asking to start Austin Reeves. Um and I think the resistance there, and you know, his minutes are going up, and you know, you start to see different combinations. Like he, Reeves is playing big minutes for this team, and should all of these things ripple around the roster? If you take Reeves, for example, out of the the reserve lineup, and you put say Schroeder back there, Dennis has had some nice dis distribution nights. You know, again, both of us think he's played well overall. He's not quite the same kind of connecting player. Um, set up player, pick and roll, you know, guy initially, you know, that that Reeves has sort of turned himself into. And so the combinations change. And so is Beasley going to be effective with this bench group? And where is it more effective? Like where where does it matter more? Do you, like let's say you make it so Beasley's just not that useful, maybe until LeBron comes back. If you take him out of the starting lineup, you've improved the starting lineup. Have you improved the bench? Well, I got a thought on that, but we will get into it next after letting everybody know that Locked on Lakers is brought to you by FanDuel. And we are in the home stretch of the NBA season, making this the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000, a grand. It's bonus bets back, even if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Safe, secure, really easy to use. You can bet on everything from the money line to point scores, threes drained, or get a little saucy with an exclusive bet like the two-by-three. Two three-pointers scored in the first three minutes. And FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same-game parlay. As of this recording, Lakers are giving up a point and a half, an old-fashioned bucket to the Suns, favored by a point and a half. As we noted at the top of the show, KD, DeAndre Ayton will not be playing. They won't even be in L.A. The Suns can use a win, but the Lakers need a win. So take all of that into account. Lay down your money as you will. Either way, do not miss out on your chance at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every Moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Ultimate, ba Ultimate Basketball GM. Ever dreamed of becoming a, an NBA GM and managing your own basketball franchise? And this is a game for you. Uh, download the game. You just visit ultimatebasketballgm.com or look it up in the app stores. Uh, listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On. It's got to be in all caps. Locked On uh, in the game Ultimate Basketball GM. Um, we'll finish up this 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 uh, Beasley thing and the lineup thing. You had. Uh, a point to make there about that, you know, starter versus bench. Well, in, in thinking about that ripple effect that you had mentioned in terms of how this could affect Beasley and in turn how it could affect the entire bench unit, one thing that we that we were uh, told about and when we previewed uh, when we previewed Malik Beasley um, with the host of Locked On Wolves, uh, Ben Beekman, it was the idea that Beasley really, really is effective in transition in terms of mm -hmm. getting his threes. And that he, you know, that's that's an area where he where he described Beasley as elite. And I think on balance, a second unit that is led by Schroeder and and Austin Reeves is going to be looking to run more than a first unit that is led by D'Angelo Russell. Because Russell that's is true. much more that's a, that's much a good more point. of a Prober, he's much more methodical. Again, this changes with LeBron, but LeBron's not going to be there anytime soon. So you got to deal with the now. I actually wonder if that athleticism that Beasley specifically has in getting threes would actually flourish more in the second unit than with the current construction they have now. It could. You know, and it's not like Beasley's not used to coming off the bench. He's come to, you know, he's been a, a sixth man for, you know, seventh man for much of his career, uh, more than a starter. I, you know, I reviewed his his exact game records, but certainly as much. Um it's just it's the other thing about this, and we'll we'll move on. It's it's a tricky thing to make any lineup decisions right now because the Lakers have had so little continuity. That big changes that were, you know, that sort of disrupt whatever ecosystem that they had developed, you had to really think about them hard. Um, yeah. because you know, if you you can't lose five minutes to oh wait, we're adjusting to this change. Um, it's not a reason not to make them, it is a reason to think about them. Um, and you probably only have a few of those that you can really go to um, between now and, and the end of the year. But your point about um, transition is is really a good one. So let's see what they do. Um, I yeah. think ultimately what they're probably going to do is just hope Malik Beasley starts shooting his way out of this slump, which is not, by the way, a terrible approach. I mean, he's not the first shooter to go through these these sorts of things. Or you'll just start seeing his minutes go down. You'll yeah. just start seeing more minutes for whoever accounts for what they expect yeah. from Malik Beasley on every level. I think that's that's the other way to do it. Just shrink the minutes, keep the rotation relatively similar, and just expand or contract yeah. people's minutes that way. That is another really yeah. um, effective way of potentially handling. I mean, it. it's clear that Darvin Ham, you know, has lost faith in Lonnie Walker, and you know, as much as I would not, I would not object to Max Christie getting run. Here's the thing I was going to say. I don't, I don't even want to get into a deep discussion about Christie. Sure. I'm just addressing this because I've heard it from a lot of fans. I wouldn't object to it because I've generally liked what we've seen from him. But I'm not going to kill Darwin for not doing it because the overwhelming majority of coaches in this position right now would not turn to 
a one-and-done 20-year-old rookie who's barely played 500 minutes in his career. That I would happen. actually criticize him for doing it because I think the results... Max Christie has played very well in the context that you expect Max Christie to play, which was contribute virtually nothing. Um, and But if you start to review, again, the sort of... like Go back and look at Vanderbilt's on-court impact or whatever the last... The, the last stretch of games where, where Christie was playing a lot, his actual, you know, his net rating, all that stuff so was very low, you know, well underwater. And so I like the kid as a player. I think he's going to turn into a good NBA player. Lakers did well in there. That's a bi big difference between playing high sure. leverage minutes and, and all that with the expectation and the need for uh, somebody to come through. And, you know, they just, you know, Lonnie Walker's got problems defensively. There's, there's no perfect solution here. Um, but the Beasley question is also interesting because, you know, the, the question of whether or not the Lakers would pick up that option, that $16 million option, you know, if he finishes out the year shooting 29% from three as a Laker, the strong temptation is going to be to not spend that money. Um, and, you know, we were talking about Reeves, for Tuesday's show and the idea that at minimum the Lakers are probably going to have to offer him that four and 50 that is the most that they can that they can offer um, as a restricted free agent then they can match somebody else's deal uh, but I don't think the Lakers if I'm Reeves's agent that is my starting point for the Lakers you max me out um, oh, hell yeah Hell yes. Yeah, Again, the, the, the barrel that he has them over right now with the optics of you're going to let another valuable rotation player that was totally discovered by you, like your own guy, mm -hmm. you're going to let him go for money too? Like, really? Really? But it, it all kind of gets like the Lakers, when you start to put these guys together, if you're going to keep Reeves, and I cannot imagine them letting him go. Unless, unless he gets... Like an insane poison pill, something just loaded like absolutely eighty million dollars. Like, I would be I would be surprised, and depending on the particulars, pretty mad if he's not on this team next year. Right. I don't think they're going to let Vanderbilt go. You know, for the you know, say what you want about the guy for four and a half, you know, five million bucks. Like that it's is a, a no brainer. It's a no um, you know, you start you know they're unless they're looking. To Go where I think you're going. You start looking at like keeping D'Angelo Russell. It's like once you've kept like two of these guys, that's your cap space. Like there's no, it's not like, well, we can, we can keep Reeves, but you know, or, you know, keep Russell, but, and then let the other guys go and go sign like three. That's, that's none of that's, that's not how any of this is going to work. You either clear the decks for Kyrie um, and Mark Stein reporting that, the Suns and the Lakers are still the most common teams mentioned as a potential destination for Kyrie. Big difference between saying that and the the, the Suns and Lakers are interested in Kyrie. Um, but those are the teams that are mentioned most often. Or, you know, pick two between, you know, Jeremy Grant and some of... So, Draymond yeah. Green. Sure. That's what... You can do that. You know, you can clear the decks and get a couple decent players that way. Or one starish player however you're going to do it or you can kind of keep the guys you have if you keep one or two of the guys that you have russell and vanderbilt and you let beasley go and you let hachimura go or whatever you're probably going to end up having to re to fill that space with either your one exception that you might have left or a um veteran minimum guy like that's that's what you have so i mean i think you know, in some ways, the Beasley thing 
they kind of just need to cross their fingers and bring him back and bring all of these guys back. Resign Hachimura if the number is reasonable. Resign, you know, try to figure, bring back Mo Bamba. You know, it's like, because you can't replace them. And if nothing else, you have guys then that you can turn around and trade. The optionality that comes from within reason, running back this roster makes a strong case for doing it. In addition to the fact that when you consider everything these guys have had to deal with under these circumstances, the roster actually, it offers some promise. Like, you yeah. know, none no, of this I, matters I, if I agree. LeBron and AD can't stay healthy, but assuming they can, and that's the whole reason you're doing this in the first place, it's not a bad roster to have around them. No. And, you know, your chances, as disappointing as Beasley has been this, to this point, you are not going to find a player with his track record and potential for even your mid-level, you know, as a taxpayer. Like, you're just not going to get that. So, I... This is where, by the way, really quick, if you believe in Max Christie, I suppose you could say, like, you think he could become essentially your Beasley guy on a rookie deal. The difference being, though, A, you're taking more of a flyer on somebody totally unproven, and B... You lose the sixteen and a half million that could be used as part of a trade, right? But if this, you know, this is where the, you know, the the budget that the Lakers run with as a family operation comes into play. They spend a lot of money, but they they won't spend all the money. Um, Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you can go to see the show and participate in that great community of Lakers fans who will either be very excited or very angry on Thursday following the game. Uh, so make sure you uh, check us out afterwards. We'll see everybody after the game.